William Carey, a name that a lot of us have probably heard of, known as actually the father of modern missions. His plan was to go from Scotland over to India and spend time immersing himself in the culture, to dress like them, to eat like them, to share with them the truth of who Jesus Christ was. So he went to the General Assembly of Scotland and he said, this is my plan. Here's where I'm headed. And he began to describe it. And their answer was, and I quote, to spread the gospel to barbarians is preposterous. That was their answer. He said, we don't do that. And they looked at him and they said, no, we don't do that. We're not about going to heathens and barbarians and trying to help them understand Jesus. If God wants them to know, he'll tell them about it. And that's the end of it. Stay where you are. Make an impact here. So William Carey went home and he began to read his scripture again. And he came to this conclusion. "Uh Uh-uh. I'm going. And he went. Here's the question that we have to answer. The question is, what is our mission call? William Carey was saying, I believe that if we look at scripture, our mission call is to be able to share. The question is, what is our mission? And what should it look like? And what should we be expecting? You know, we're in the middle of this series called Satisfaction Guaranteed. And as Jesus was dealing with his disciples, as he was helping them understand what the next ensuing moments would be like because of all the changes, he was telling them things they could be guaranteed of promises they could hope in. And last week, you remember, we covered the promise of joy and a relationship with him. Well, what follows right on the tail of that? Know this. You also have a mission call within the world. Here's what it looks like, and here's what you need to expect. So today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, verses, uh, verse 18 through chapter 16, verse 4. Kind of straddles into the next chapter there. The ushers are coming forward and they've got Bibles in their hands. We just love to get Bibles to you. If you don't have one, we're just going to be walking verse by verse through this. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll get one to you and uh, you can follow along with us. That's John chapter 15, verse 18 is where we're going to be starting. Okay, just raise your hand and the ushers will get Bibles to you. Again, the question that Jesus is answering, what exactly is our mission or our purpose? And what should we be expecting in the midst of it? That's the question he's answering today. Okay. So his first, perspective. This is what you're going to need to have. Perspective. Expect the world to hate you. Perspective. Expect the world to hate you. Wow, that's really not very positive and uplifting, Tim. Yeah, it's right in the scripture, though. So I can't do much about it except to explain through it, okay? He's saying you need to know that there's going to be some animosity with the world. Well, where are you getting it from? Let's start out right in the beginning. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Do you see it? He's saying, hey, I'm already being hated, guys, and you're following me. What do you think's coming for you? Right? Come on, get ready. Here we go. Now, he uses the word hate. What's the word hate mean? You know, what what kind of meaning was in the original language here? This is what it means. It means deep anger and upsetness with. It means highly frustrated, wanting to push away from. It means dislike of. It means hate, just like we'd think of it, okay? This is a pretty aggressive word that Jesus is saying. We're going to get to why, okay? But just hang on. 
Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In other words, you need to recognize this. You are associated with me. You're not associated with the world. You are not associated with the things going on in the world. What's he talking about when he says world? You know, the Greek word that he uses here, what's it mean? It's actually a word that can be used in a variety of settings. It can either mean all the people of, it can mean the world system of, the way to think in. And in this moment here, it's probably best understood because there's this emotion and this action. It's the people thereof, but they're living a certain style. They've got a purpose. They've got a priority. They've got a plan. And it has everything to do with themselves and not to do with God Almighty, the world. He's saying there's a group of people that are not following after me. There's two groups, a group that's following after me and a group that's not, you know, the world. And we have a problem between the two. He's saying, I need you to understand this. The world is going to be going hard after things that you're not. And you are going to be going hard after things that the world is not. And it's going to create a little bit of an issue you need to be aware of. As a matter of fact, if you were of the world, if you embraced their priorities and their, their whole purpose and everything, you would look just like them. They'd put their arm around you and say, you're one of us. Come with us. Be a part of this with us. But that's not who you are. He says specifically, I chose you out of the world. In other words, he reached in, he picked up, and he pulled out and set aside. A choosing. Uh-oh. What's that word mean? You know, we talked about this when we were in Ephesians chapter 1. There is a very real side of a sovereign God being involved in our lives. We see in Ephesians 1, it says that he predestined us to the adoption of sons. That he chose us before the foundation of the world. And here we see this choosing again. He is choosing. And there is that element going on. But be very careful. Because we do still have personal responsibility. You know, we look at Romans chapter 10 and it says that we need to confess and that we need to believe. We look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 and it says that we must have faith. There is a side of us employing or deploying our will. And yet there's also a side where God sovereignly is moving and choosing. And somehow those two are both real and true. And if you look at Deuteronomy 29, 29, you know, basically we're told there's some things about God and some mysteries about God. I'm telling you, this side of heaven, we're not going to grasp. And that side of heaven, we just maybe might grasp. Do you know what I'm saying? We serve a big and awesome God. And as we serve this big and mighty and awesome God, there's a few things that he's going to inform us of where we go, huh? But, but how? And he goes, yeah, exactly. I'm going to be explaining to you over time and over life, but know this. We do have a sovereign God, and he is choosing. And know this, we do have responsibility. We must be acting on our will. You know, William, William Carey, like I started in the beginning, they basically said, don't go, don't share. Why? Because God chooses. And if God chooses, then leave it alone. Let him go choose. We're done. Now, they missed out on something, and we're going to talk about it in point number two. They missed something very important. And we're going to talk about it in point number two. But right here, we see that God is doing some choosing. And as he is working with your heart, and as he is working with my heart, he is simply setting us up 
to be a follower of him for a lifetime, to know him for a lifetime, to be able to be impacted by him, to be shaped by him, to have our priorities and our purposes to match that of Jesus Christ, the Almighty. Amen? That's who we are. We are followers of Christ Almighty. And know this, Christ, who did it perfectly, was hated. So, heads up. We're headed somewhere. Okay? Now, he goes on, verse 20. He says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You hearing it? Trust me, guys. How they treated me is how they're going to treat you. Positive means positive to you. Negative means negative to you. Because I pretty much lived it perfectly, and I'm still having issues with some of the individuals. There's going to be a negative response coming. Jesus says here, verse 21, But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And that is beginning to hit the crux. They're missing a relationship with God Almighty. And their purposes and their priorities aren't matching up. You might be sitting in here today and might be saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not sure where I stand with him. Well, maybe today is the day for you to meet him personally and passionately, to know him. This passage simply says there's those who know him and those who don't. Help us to help you to be introduced to the Almighty and be changed for a lifetime. God, loving us and reaching out to us with all that he's got. He goes a step further here. He says, not only do uh, they not know him, he says in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. I'm telling you, this passage is complex. (laughs) And it just keeps getting more complex. What do you mean they wouldn't be guilty of sin? How is that possible? What is he talking about? Now, if we look at this passage carefully, we got to remember context, 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 okay? He says, they would not be guilty of sin if I had not come, if I had not spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me also hates my father. Here's what he's saying. We have a chance to meet the Almighty. He has been revealed in a special revelation. Jesus We can see the character of him. We can see the passion of him. We can see the purpose of him revealed in Jesus Christ. And who Jesus is and what he's about and why he's about it and how he's about it is the revealing of who God is. And in the midst of God being revealed, we're held to high responsibility. We have now met the Almighty and we are responsible to respond to him. Jesus is simply saying this, we have a problem. These people have been revealed to by me, the Almighty, a special revelation of God right before their eyes. And their response is to hate. Their response is to reject. That sin, that rejection is a big guilt issue. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't come because it's the special revelation sin that I'm talking to here. And if I hadn't revealed myself, now they wouldn't be guilty of that. Does that mean they're not guilty of any sin anywhere, ever? 
Well, actually, if you look at Romans chapter 1, we have general revelation. We're actually responsible to find God in the midst of nature itself. Did you know that? Romans chapter 1 says that we can actually see his divine power, his eternal nature can be seen in what we look at around us. As we look at things, for example, you say this, well, everything comes from something. Here's a simple little example. Everything comes from something, right? So if everything comes from something, then this something we see around us today came from something before it. And that came from something before it and something before it. And eventually there had to be an original something. And that something must have existed for all eternity. Oh, we just saw the eternal nature of God. Now, today, a lot of people would like to teach that that was some primordial black hole, some inanimate object that existed for all eternity. That's their God. It's supernatural. It existed from all eternity past. I believe in a God of the Bible who is alive and breathing and purposeful and intentional. And he existed from all eternity past to all eternity future. And he is moving in our lives to shape and change. Where'd you get that from? The Bible. That's where we get it from. The very word of God, the revealing of him and his purposes. We are responsible to respond to God in general revelation and in special revelation. Jesus here is saying they are respecting not the special revelation. That's what he's saying. They're not respecting who I am and responding to me. They're guilty of this sin. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. In other words, Jesus equals God. You hearing it? This is a big deal. Jesus equals God. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. A little bit more explanation of this special revelation. You're seeing me work. I have moved. I have touched lives and legs have been healed. I have touched lives and arms have been healed. I have touched lives and hearts have been healed. I have moved. I have shaped. I have changed. I have seen people and I have moved people. And you have witnessed it with me. And now you're responsible to say this. I've seen the Almighty and he has moved amongst us. We need to be responding as Jesus moves and reveals of himself. He's holding them accountable to having been there, to having touched a life. Now he says right after it, verse 25, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. This is uh, Psalm 35, verse 19. It's actually Psalm 69, verse 4 as well. It's quoted in both spots. They hated me without a cause. What's it saying? It's saying I lived life perfectly. I am the Almighty stepping into their life with love. I am looking to make a change and an impact, and yet I am hated and pushed away and rejected. Causeless, not right, but Scripture fulfilled. Jesus, making it clear that we need to set some expectations, that the world is going to have a problem with us. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to be really careful on this, you know? Like I can say, you know what? I had three people at work yesterday who, like, they just hate me now. And, and I was talking to them, and they just hate me. Why do they hate you? Well, in the middle of trying to explain to them, I wouldn't listen to them at all. I called them some names. As a matter of fact, one guy, I even physically pushed once because I was a little upset that he wasn't listening to me. I demanded that they get my way of thinking. And I demanded it and demanded it, and now they hate me. See, Jesus said the world would hate us. Is that what we're talking about? No way. 
What we're talking about is with love, with gentleness, with respect, with kindness, with the two ears that you've been given and listening well to what people have to say, you spend time with others and hearing what they're saying. And in the midst of spending time, they've got an issue, not because of how, but simply because of what and who you're standing for. As you take a stand for who Jesus Christ is and what that means and how that follows out, there will be those who simply cannot stand to be around that. Now, that's what we're talking about. If it's because of how you delivered it, please go back and apologize. That's not being hated for Jesus Christ. That's being hated for being a jerk. Right? We got to watch ourselves. Let's not take license to just be rude. Let's be loving and gentle and kind, but forthright and clear and passionate about what we stand for. The balance can be tough at times. Watch yourselves. Make sure that you understand that this is about the Lord and your relationship with him and you sharing that passionately and purposefully and powerfully. And there will be those who have quite a bit of issue with who you're aligning with. You know, Aristotle was viewed as a phenomenal man with a great mind. His statement, his assertion was that no matter how heavy an object, they would basically have to align where the heavier object would fall faster and the lighter object would fall slower. That was his assertion. It stood true in people's minds for 2,000 years. Nobody thought to check it. Then Galileo came along and he said, well, let's check it because I actually believe in this thing called gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared. And if that's true, everything should be accelerating at the same rate and it shouldn't matter how much they weigh except for wind drag. And so he took some fairly heavy objects up on the Tower of Pisa and he pushed them off at the same time. And he had these known scientists all standing at the bottom. You watch and you tell me which one hits first. And then he ready, Go. And they hit at the same time. Bonk. And so the scientist said, well, that can't have just happened. And so he did it again. And they simply said, no, it can't have just happened because we know that the heavier it is, the faster it falls. Let's get out of here. And they left. Galileo presented them with truth, presented them with evidence. And nonetheless, they rejected him and they pushed away from him. And they basically said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. You're not accepting what we believe to be facts. Oftentimes, we can be in a situation where we present the truth. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And yet people are just not willing to accept. They're just not willing to see him for who he is. They're just not willing to accept the facts sitting right around them and the evidences of it. In that moment, it is not, hear me, it is not your job to beat them into submission and accept it. It is in that moment your job to simply be praying for them, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come and make clear who Jesus is. We are responsible to be as Galileo, deliverers of truth, and evidence sharers, but simply for this purpose, 
to make clear to them who Jesus Christ is. To stand passionately on the truth, knowing this, that when you do, there will be times where the world is going to take great offense to what position you've just taken. The world is going to hate you. That's Jesus' statement. That's Jesus' challenge. Get a perspective. Let me ask you one other side of this. Is your goal to walk through the world being great friends with the world? To get along well? To actually have no big difference? As a matter of fact, the people of the world get along great with me. They have no issue with me whatsoever. How how much of a stand are you taking? That's a tough call. Don't get me wrong. Again, I don't ever want you in a spot where they hate you just because you're offensive. But at the same time, we need to make sure that it's clear that we're following Jesus Christ, that we've got a passion for him. You know, I was an engineer for 17 years, and uh, it was well known that I believed the Bible to be true, that I followed hard after Scripture. Um, You know, there was guys who came up with nicknames. Let's go talk to Bible boy or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? You get the little nicknames. But I'm telling you, you can either handle that in a way that makes it adversarial or you can handle it well. So somebody would come in and scoot up a chair and say, hey, Bible boy, I got a question for you. Great. What's the question? Well, I was just wondering what you think of this. Do you really want to know? Yeah, I do. And then you give an answer and they go, wow, he actually had an answer. He's serious about this stuff. And then you just casually and calmly listen to it. When I started seminary, the first class I took was Hebrew, not Hebrews. The language, Hebrew, okay? And so I'm studying Hebrew, and one of the guys comes to me and goes, I thought you were Protestant. What are you studying the Old Testament for? Well, because we believe the whole Bible to be the Word of God. So it was a great moment to just explain what the Bible is and how the Old Testament and New Testament tie together and what's the value of learning Hebrew and learning of this culture and this language. And it, it was just neat moments along the way. I'm telling you, I had more opportunities in those last five years to share and to help and to assist and to listen to people and to pray with people and to have people come in and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is going on. And tell me about family problems and struggles. And it it opens up great avenues and doors. Just be patient. Be real. Don't be ramming it down their throats, but do be standing up for who you know. If your goal here is simply to get along with the world, so that they can buddy up to you and put their arm around you and you just don't look any different, you're missing it. We are called to be different. We are called to be unique. And we are called to somewhat of an adversarial position because the message we bring is Jesus Christ saying, I need you to be on your knees before me. I'm offering you a replacement payment, a forgiveness that will last for all eternity. And it requires relationship with God Almighty. Accept what I'm offering you. Lay down what you're doing. Forget about the works. It's about my work on the cross and my shed blood. And in the midst of saying, please forgive me of my junk, of my sin, of my shortcomings, and use your shed blood, I want to know you for a lifetime. It calls for humility. It calls for God-centeredness. Are you ready to teach that message? Are you ready to stand for that message? It will bring an adversarial moment at times. But God is behind it all. He's even promised us a bit of perspective. The world's going to hate you. Hated me and you're following me. You're the servant. They rejected the master. What do you think's happening to you? That's the message we have 
as the first perspective. Get ready. We need to be standing up and standing in a tough line. And the world may not be exactly happy about it. Wow, what a happy point. Let me ask you this. How are you expecting to be treated? Are you ready to be embracing this and going after it with everything you've got? Because you need to be before we go to point number two. Are you ready? Point number two. Witness. Engage the world as eyewitnesses of Jesus. Engage the world as eyewitnesses of Jesus. What? Like you just got done telling me this thing is all adversarial. Why don't I just avoid the world? Wouldn't that be wise? Like, hey, these people are going to hate you. Good, so I'll leave them alone. No, I want you to go to them. What? Do you hear it? Like the first and obvious answer would be avoidance, separation. I mean, we have this whole monastic movement, right? Let's just get away from everything that might possibly bring us down so that we can stay pure in our relationship with him. No, that's not what he's calling us to. Witness. He's calling us to stand in the gap. He says here in verse 26, but when the helper comes, okay, here's that word helper again. Remember, it means to assist, to come alongside, to comfort, to provide the helper, you know, whom I will send. So Jesus is sending the helper to you from the father, the spirit of truth. So we have the helper, the Holy Spirit. God is spirit. Here comes the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the very center and character of God Almighty in the Holy Spirit is coming to you and to me to be able to relate to us, to be able to work with us, to be able to assist us. And what's he doing? It says, he proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's actually here to direct and point towards Jesus Christ. His movement and his shaping is to say, you need to know who Jesus is. He's moving in the lives of those who don't know him. If you're sitting here this morning and the stuff I just described about Jesus, you're like, I don't even know that. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a moment to take a deep breath and hear that Jesus, the almighty, the God and creator of this universe came to this earth to make a replacement payment for you and for me. That we have a chance to be forgiven for anything and everything that we have done wrong and walking away from them. And it doesn't happen by trying a lot of good works. And it doesn't happen by trying to just really lay it out on the line. I'm not talking about lay it on the line. I mean, I really laid it out on the line. Now heaven should be a good thing, right? No, it's not about the works. It's about relationship. It's about leaning on Jesus Christ with all you've got and asking for him to forgive you of your sins, to replace the payment you owe, which is eternal separation, with the shed blood on the cross and that the life that Jesus has to offer is life he gives to you and to me. It's faith in him. It's bearing witness to that fact that we know the almighty and he's moved in our lives. It's not some arrogance thing. It's he blew me away. Let me just help you see what he did in my life. Can I share that? Remember when we were back in Jonah and we talked about what is boldness? Boldness is not kicking down doors and taking no prisoners. Boldness is not being an offensive jerk. Boldness is being vulnerable. Boldness is saying, God has blown me away. I have met who Jesus is. He has changed me from the inside out. I'd love to share with you a little bit about what he's done. Can I tell you about it? 
That's boldness. That's biblical boldness. It's being willing to stand in the gap and share vulnerably about what Jesus is doing for you. So hear me when he says you need to be a witness. He is starting with this comes after John chapter 15 verses 1 through 17. I need you to have a relationship with him. I need you to abide with him. I need you to know him and passionately and purposefully go after him. I need your life to be shaped by Jesus Christ. And as you're shaped by him, guess what? You can witness for him more and more. You share out of how much you know of him. And as you go after him and know him more, you can witness of him more and more. The Holy Spirit is here to witness, bear witness. And then it says right after it, and you also will bear witness. You know, those people I just told you that hate you get in there. You know, those people I just said, they've got a problem with what you stand for. Go after it. You're to stand in the gap and you're not to reject them. They reject you, but you do not reject them. You love them and you care for them. You are hungry to see their lives changed and shaped for my glory. You know who I am. They don't. Help introduce them to me, please. Can you be a part of that? That's the request we have. What an awesome privilege. You basically are stepping into a party. There's a ton of people there and you know the guest of honor. The question is, do you walk away from the guest of honor and just start hanging out with everybody else and trying to fit in? Or do you walk around and introduce the guest of honor to the individuals at the party? That's our job. In this world, to be introducing everyone to the Jesus Christ we've met, who has blown us away, who has saved our soul, who has provided for us an eternity with him. And as we get to know him more and more, we get more and more passionate about him. That's how it works. You have a chance to witness for Jesus Christ. What a great privilege. You know, there are four ways to interact with the world that I found biblically. Four ways. Might want to write these down. First way, we can be friends with the world. James chapter 4, verse 4. We can be friends with the world. Summary there, you'll your enemies with God. Yeah, it's kind of heavy. We can be friends with the world, but what that means is we're beginning to embrace the priorities, the passions, and the purposes. We're running hard after that stuff, okay? More than that, it may not just be friends. We may love the world. First John 2, right? And now all of a sudden, not only are we embracing the things, but they have become the center of what we are. We are so about those things, those purposes, those values. Beyond the love, we may even be conformed to the world. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can actually allow the things of this world, the values of this world, to begin to shape us in a way that we start looking just like the world. Or we can be a witness to the world. John chapter 15. And that's our choice. Are we being friends and loving and being conformed? Are we headed down a path of looking more like the world every day? Or are we a witness to the world? And that's the only choices we've got biblically. That's where we stand. You know, maybe a little definition of the world, just so we got it down here. I wrote down uh, a couple of things that I thought were kind of good. Uh, Chuck Swindoll summarized this. Four things that you find in the world. Number one, the values. Fortune. Lots of money. Lots of stuff. Stuff, stuff, stuff. You know, let's just make sure we own he who has the most toys at the end. He who has the most toys at the end. Okay, we all know that lame mantra, right? 
where do we get it from? That's a world mantra. And yet, we all know it. Scary. Fortune. Fame. May I be lifted up. May a lot of people know me and may I be known for my goodness in these areas. Fame. Fortune, fame, power. Control is really what power is. You know, I want to be able to manipulate things to get exactly what I want and what I need out of life. Power. So it's fortune, fame, power, and then last is pleasure. May it be comfortable, may I feel good, and may at the end it all be about my feelings and me and me and me. Right? The world stuff. Now think about how Jesus is against those things. And what is he teaching? Fortune. Well, can't serve both God and money. Make sure your treasures are laid up in heaven. Fame. We need to pour forth his fame, not ours. Power. It's about him taking control in our lives, not us taking control. Pleasure. Yeah, it ain't about pleasure. It's about his glory. It's about his honor. Can you see how the message of Jesus Christ is counter to the message of the world? So we need to be very careful. The more we start embracing those things of the world, fortune, fame, power, and pleasure, the more we're starting to do the friend, love, conform. And we're beginning to be shaped by, not help shape into. Our call is to be a witness. That's our call. We have a chance to step in and make an impact. You know, we have a lot of opportunities to see examples. Hudson Taylor is one that I wanted to throw out here. This is a missionary to China. He sat down with guys before he sent them out and he said, tell me why you want to go. And if they gave a bad answer, he didn't send them. He didn't educate them and say, no, you really need to be more like this. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I'll be that. Okay, you can go. He actually said, nah, wrong answer, you're out. And he moved on. You got to be sold out for this thing, guys. Here's some answers he often saw. He saw this one. Well, Jesus commanded me to. That's why I'm going. Okay. That's not good enough. What? So that's true. It's very true, but you're missing something. Another one that he got. There are millions that are perishing, and I'd love to go be a part of trying to do something. That's great, but you're missing it. He said, the answer has to always include these words. I love Jesus, and I just want to help share him with other people. If he doesn't hear that they have a passionate love for him, he's starting to hear the legalistic checklist. I'm doing something I've been told to do, and so I'm just going and doing it. But it's not about that. It's about loving him with all you've got. It's about being passionately, relationally tied to him and being blown away by everything he's doing in your life every single day and every single moment, and you just can't help but share what he's doing with the one next to you. Now that is going to work. That's where we go. That's how we share. When we're talking with a friend, it's not, uh-oh, pull out the list. There's the open checkbox. Hey, can I share something with you? Check. That's not it. It's this. I've met him this morning, and I'm blown away with what he's doing with me. I found this some truth in Scripture, and I just can't help but share it. And so you turn to the one next to you, and you say, he's just rocking my world. I'd love to share a little bit with you. Would you like to hear it? A personal testimony of Jesus in your life. I just love him with all I've got. And I just can't help but follow him. And I just can't help but serve him. I'd love to introduce you to him. Would you like to meet the Jesus I know? Would you like to meet him? Now that is bearing witness. Amen? Amen. May we step into relationships ready to be vulnerable, but ready to be humble. Do you hear the combo? Do you hear it? Please hear me. I don't want to send a bunch of people to the streets where we're all going to be jerks. 
I'm telling you, you can just be offensive if you run in trying to kick down a door and, de- and demand. It's about you asking for permission to share. It's about you listening to what they have to say. People are struggling in this world and God wants to move in them. Do you want to be a part in letting him take your hand and move in the life of another? And letting him take your words and shape the heart of another? You can be a witness for what Jesus is doing for you. Don't be the hammer bashing into him. Unless Jesus says that's what's needed. There's moments where we need to be kind of firm, but usually we need to be good listeners and we really need to bring truth back that helps serve the problem they're struggling with. Listen to what they're going through and go hard after it with them. Pray that they meet him right where they're at and find him truthful and valuable and righteous and passionately and purposefully willing to be in their life. May you meet the Jesus that I know. Bear witness of him. Now that starts to get a little bit more positive, doesn't it? Yes, we need to expect that there may be some offense to the word given. But let me tell you, we get to share the value of who he is. Is Jesus rocking your world? If the answer to this is no, then start letting him rock your world. It's time to do the John 15, 1 through 17. Abide with him with all you've got. That was last week's message. Let him rock your world and then bear witness to those around you. Who is it that you can be bearing witness to? Think about it for a second. There's got to be at least a couple of names in your neighborhood, at work, at school, in your family. Think of a couple of names. Who might you be able to be bearing witness to? Just being honest about what God's doing in your life. Got a name? Or two? Might want to write them down. And say, Lord, I want to go after this. I want to see me used just for your glory. Help me bear witness however you want it, however you want it done. Let's just see this come to fruition. You'll be amazed. There was a guy at work that I prayed for for years. And I'm telling you, I never got an opportunity to share with him until I just said, that's it, Lord, I'm ready to share. So I got a little New Testament that I could shove in my pocket at any time. And I kept it there all the time. Kept it in my backpack, whatever. Always with me. I'm ready, Lord. Three days. And the guy came and asked, hey, you want to go out to lunch? And we went out to lunch and I was able to walk through the gospel message and ask him where he was sticking point was. You know what his answer was? This is what he said. I just know a lot of good Hindus. So I don't know why they would go to hell. So I can't accept it. And I said, okay, do you believe that Jesus came to earth? Do you believe he's God? He said, yeah, I do. I believe that. I said, so you believe that he is God. He died. He rose again. Yeah, I believe that. Great. So what's the hang up? The hang up is I don't think it's necessary. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, what's that? Would you come to earth and be spit on, beat, mocked and murdered if it wasn't necessary? Why not just say, hey, there's another way. Pick it. Right? I mean, what was his plan? If it wasn't necessary, why do it? And he goes, I really don't have an answer for that one. I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, I don't know. I guess I'm not ready to bend yet, but you got me. I got to be honest. It probably is more necessary than I was giving it value. I'll have to think about it. It wasn't a moment where I was able to lead him to Christ, but it was a moment where he was able to take a step forward. That's what we're here for. Just to help find somebody. Remember, we've used this term before, right? Red apples and green apples. 
to help find the green apple. Somebody who's not quite ripe to Christ. Yes, we're talking about like red delicious, okay? I know green apples can be ripe, but we're not talking about those. So like red delicious apples, okay? So we find a green apple. They're not quite ripe to Christ. And it's about helping them ripen towards him. Where are you sticking? What is it you need? What's the question at hand? What do you think of this? If I were to tell you this story, what do you say to that? Those are awesome questions to help ripen somebody towards Christ. And just let God do the work and shape in the heart, okay? Find someone to talk to and just be honest with them as you're talking. And listen, listen, listen. Be respectful as you share. God's got a plan. What's his plan for bringing this person to him, okay? So first is perspective. Second is witness. And the third is courage. Courage. He says, hold fast to the faith that saved you. Courage. Hold fast to that faith that saved you. We look in verse six, or chapter 16. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. I have said all these things. The value and the power of the word of Jesus Christ. I said these things and they have value. To do what? To keep you from falling away. Jesus' words have that kind of power. That we can be moved and changed and shaped and that it'll last in eternity. That we will not fall away. He says, they will put you out of the, get ready. This is what he's telling his disciples. These are the things you're going to run into. They're going to put you out of the synagogues, excommunication. You're done. You're out of the synagogue. No more Jew for you, right? You're gone. Okay. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. This is his uplifting moment of promise. So I'm telling you, you, you're going to be out of the synagogue and you're probably going to be killed for me. And they're going to think they're doing it in the name of God. Just be prepared. You're going through some tough times here, guys. And I want to tell you, I told you these things for a purpose. What is it? Verse three. And they will do these things because they have not known the father or me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you what they were. You hearing it? Guys, be prepared. You're going to be facing some tough stuff. Now, these disciples were about ready to face exactly what he said. For us, it's a little lighter in the American society right now. It really is. We'll come home and we're like, oh, I was persecuted today. Really? What happened? He called me a Bible boy. <laughs> right? Like, like that's the level of persecution we're under. If somebody may do a name call or they may not include you in a night where they go out to a bar because they're not sure if you're good with that or some, some, like that's not persecution. Okay. Just hear me on it. Okay. That is light, light stuff. We're talking about heavy rejection and murder is kind of what he was setting up. And this is going on in the world today. We need to know that we need to be praying for our believing brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering for him right now across the world where they are experiencing this exact rejection. And praise God, we're in a country right now that allows us this kind of freedom. Where 800 people gather together on a Sunday morning between two services and we sit down and we just talk very frankly and we go home and nobody does a doggone thing about it except the people that are here changing. Wow, that's privilege, amen? Be prepared. Because we don't know what's coming or when it's coming, but we are called to a courageous following, to a holding fast to. That's what we're called to. To be ready to share no matter what the cost. To be ready to believe no matter what the cost. There was a man who 
was eating breakfast at his kitchen table, and he was looking out over this gorgeous view of his backyard and into this little river. And this river is just heavy that day, churning and powerful from the rains over the last week. And all of a sudden, he notices a little girl thrashing in the water going down. And this water goes around and turns a bend. So he jumps up from the table, jumps out of his, runs out of the kitchen, runs downstairs, runs over and jumps into the river ahead of where she's coming in and starts swimming back at her, trying to get and grabs her and holds on tight. And as he starts going down the river with the water, ends up grabbing onto some rocks right there along the side and hanging on with all he's got. And they start crying for help. And as he's clinging and as he's holding, she is beginning to get weak. And so he's clinging and holding on to her. And what we're called to do in this world is exactly that. Grab onto the rock in the middle of a churning, wild, unbelievable moment in this world where we are other, but we are in. And so we grab onto the rock who is Jesus Christ and we hold to him with all we've got and we reach out to grab anyone and everyone who we run across to be able to share the truth with passion and gentleness and love to say, I'm here and I'm not sure what God's got planned, but I'm willing. I am courageous and I am in love with him and I'd love to share you who he is. That's what it looks like. Us in the middle of a wild, churning, raging river, grabbing onto the rock who is Jesus Christ and holding on courageously in the midst of that moment to simply say this, you are loved. You are loved by the almighty Jesus Christ pouring into your life. And I'd love to share him with you. Can I introduce you to my savior? Now that's a call. Amen. Amen. Now that's a mission. Amen. When Jesus said, we have a mission, guys, and this is what you need to expect. This was his summary. That I am mighty to save. That I can shape and turn and change hearts. But I'm using you to do it. The Holy Spirit's there. Don't get me wrong. God at work. He will be bearing witness. But you will be bearing witness as well. Grab onto the rock who is Jesus Christ. Build a relationship with him that is powerful and passionate and fixed and strong. And hold on to him with all you've got with a courageous moment in this world, we can stick close to the one who has all the answers and all the power and all the authority. And with the proper perspective and with witnessing as we go and with courageously holding on, we can fulfill the mission that we've been called to do as a church to help make disciples for his glory and for his honor. Amen. Now that's a call. Satisfaction guaranteed, simply this. You get involved in this mission, you will never be more satisfied in your entire life. To be able to come alongside the hurting, to be able to come alongside those in need, and to be able to introduce them to the God you know. It's about focus. It's about perspective. It's about getting engaged, witnessing. And it's about a courage in the midst of it. That's what we need to go after. Let me pray.